Welcome to the first edition of On China, Euromoney's podcast that focuses on issues relating to banking, capital markets, and financial markets in China. Today, we'll be talking about the Greater Bay Area. The Greater Bay Area, or GBA, is a grand scheme by the Chinese government to link Hong Kong and Macau to nine cities onshore in southern China's Guangdong province, including Shenzhen and Guangzhou. In order to create an integrated cross-border financial hub, the long-awaited program was finally announced in June 2020. The GBA is home to 72 million people, multinationals like Tencent, and major financial institutions from China Merchants Bank to Standard Chartered and HSBC, both of which have Hong Kong stock listings. If it was a standalone economy, the GBA would be worth 1.7 trillion dollars. Making it about as large as Russia and bigger than Australia, but that's just one part of the big picture. The other is what it will do for banks, those based and listed in the GBA, as well as global lenders, and in turn their customers. If it helps, you can think of it almost as a country within a country. The GBA includes Hong Kong, which permits the free to and fro flow of capital, but it's contained within a closed loop currency conversion regime due to Chinese capital controls. The big aim is to get more global capital to flow into Guangdong, by far China's wealthiest and most advanced province, and to educate and immerse mainland citizens in the lessons and the logic of international financial and capital markets. Beyond sucking more money into its orbit, Beijing wants by 2025 to transform Shenzhen into a global hotbed of innovation and to cement Hong Kong's status as a global financial center. You can see this at work with Wealth Management Connect, details of which were released by China Central Bank in early May, and which we will explore later here. So let's talk about the Greater Bay Area, what it is, what it's supposed to do, and for whom. Today we have four individuals whose jobs will be defined for many years by the pace and growth and development of this vast pilot financial scheme. They are Sebastian Parides, head of Hong Kong and China at Singapore's DBS Bank. Eric Yip, head of China division at Hong Kong-based Bank of East Asia, Anthony Lin, CEO of Greater Bay Area, a Standard Chartered Bank, and Alicia Garcia Herrero, who is chief economist for Asia Pacific at Natixis. And I start by asking DBS's China and Hong Kong head Paridis what the Greater Bay Area actually is. It is clearly an economic and political construct that will uh, serve. It creates、uh, opportunities for mainland China cities within Guangdong to gain access to the international markets through Hong Kong, and at the same time help Hong Kong and the international markets to get access to a Guangdong area through Hong Kong. And here's Bank of East Asia's head of China division, Eric Yip. The Greater Bay Area, I think, is uh, to me uh, is a very unique window、uh, for cooperation between Hong Kong and the rest of、uh, mainland China. So I think this is really kind of a conduit、uh, between the two sides to really kind of try out economic cooperations, financial cooperations, or even political cooperations、uh, in a kind of contained manner. There's really no clear separation between economic, financial, and political. They are all kind of parts and parcels to each others, and it makes sense because at the end of the day, I mean, it involves like the GBA involves different political systems,、uh, 
also uh, involve different financial markets and kind of each region function as performing a different purpose in the financial sector. So, and economic activity is even more diverse. I mean, there are very high tech uh, companies around. There are also manufacturers. There are also, again, as I said before, like financial institutions, uh, banks, insurers, capital market, etc. So it's a very diverse community. Anthony Lin is a recently appointed CEO of Greater Bay Area as Standard Chartered Bank. He helps to explain here how far the region has come and how much more integrated and coordinated it will get as the effects of the pandemic recede. We look at GBA, it is really about um, a much closer collaboration between Hong Kong and uh, uh, Guangdong provinces in terms of flow of people, flow of capital, flow of information. And actually, if you just look back in the last couple of years, this intensity of people moving around, of course, before COVID time, okay? Uh, uh, the kind of collaboration is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And now you have a very clear GBA strategy to foster this collaboration even further. So if you look at GBA as a block, right? And then if you assume people or, or things or goods or service can move even more freely uh, in the future, it's easy to see the future of humanity in this vast, developed and urbanised area. Hong Kong is set to bounce back robustly from the pandemic, and Guangdong's GDP actually grew 2.3% year-on-year in the COVID-hit 2020. But let's drill down a bit and ask who will benefit from the Greater Bay Area as it becomes more of a cohesive financial and economic entity. His DBS is Paredes, discussing how it will benefit banks like his. For DBS specifically, we see as the greatest opportunity to have uh, broader access to a much bigger market that will allow um, the, the onshore and offshore capabilities to be enhanced. Um, considering that we have a significant presence in Hong Kong, uh, we have more than 5,000 employees, we are the fifth largest bank in Hong Kong, for us, uh, the opening up of this market represents a significant opportunity for growth uh, and enhancement in all products and all business segments across the board. We have been accessing the Guangdong area, of course, through DBS China. But as you could imagine, that was only limited to the uh, domestic economic activities and onshore activities. And therefore, it's been very difficult for us to grow at the same pace that the domestic banks uh, had been able to grow in China. But now, uh, through these uh, opening up of, uh, of GBA, uh, through DBS Hong Kong, we have a much larger, much more established access to international markets it uh, accelerates substantially the capacity for DBS to grow in, in, in mainland China. It's easy to forget how long some of these banks have been around in mainland China. HSBC opened its first branch in Hong Kong in 1865, and its second in Shanghai a month later. Standard Charter's first China branch opened for business even earlier, in 1858. It's also easy to forget how joined up this trade-driven region once was for millennia. And surely, how connected it will be again before long, as explained by Eric Yip of Bank of East Asia, a family-run bank that recently celebrated its centenary. If you look back at the history of Bank of East Asia, we have been in the greater area for the last, uh, say, 100 years. 
Uh, we actually established a bank in Hong Kong 102 years ago, and we were actually in China 101 years ago. So actually, GBA is never something new to us, uh, and uh, we have probably uh, been establishing offices all over Greater Bay Area over the last decades. So um, and this is something that uh, has always been in our blood. And I think it's just because I think we see that, I mean, this is going to be another wave of opportunities coming in that I think it is actually worthwhile to help us coordinate, um, consolidate and rationalize resources within our bank network so that we can really put in our best efforts to capture the opportunity ahead. What are the political players? the offshore special administrative region of Hong Kong and China itself. What do they stand to gain from the new area? And why have both parties embraced the idea as avidly as each other? Here's Alicia Garcia Herrero of Natixis. The more there is um, a barrier, I think the more Hong Kong banks have something to offer, which Hong Kong brings. So imagine that China had a fully open capital account, then what's the point of, of, of Hong Kong as such? And that comparative advantage will become less important. But as, as it stands today, they are important to bring foreign capital into China except through Hong Kong. So exactly because of those barriers, I think their plan makes sense to me, to be frank. The GBA is a sign that China recognises the need to engage more and financially with the world. Beijing still needs a lot of capital, make no bones about that. And the Greater Bay Area is an ideal way to attract more global money into its financial system in a controlled manner. While it is a huge macro economy, as a financial player on the global stage, it is underdeveloped. And Beijing knows that has to change, as DBS's banks Paredes explains. China's economy have grown to the extent that uh, the opportunities to expand its economic might as well as its economic reach, um, will benefit substantially by internationalizing. The, the fact that um, there is the need to have the RMB to become an international currency in a way to balance the power of the US dollar and the euro and the yen. So the time has come for the RMB to play that role. Yeah, I think it's all about... Um, allowing capital to flow out and in in a very uh, managed and proper way without uh, creating, um, you know, like we saw in 2014, without creating a huge amount of, of uh, waves of, of capital flowing into unnecessary investments or investments that were inappropriately managed. Like we saw capital flowing into Europe to buy football teams and hotels and, and um, you know, movies and so forth. So I think that um, the experiences in the past that China had uh, to understand how capital flows out of China, both institutionally and individually, as well as the need for China to open up internationally to become a much more open economy to international funds, and reciprocity, um, it helps the current situation as the beginning of uh, a greatest opportunity for internationalization of the RMB, internationalization of, of their financial sector, internationalization of their capital markets, 
and at the same time, as you mentioned, benefit from the uh, wealth of product, uh, currencies, uh, structures, and capital market available internationally. So it's a it's a win-win for both. So China keeps its capital controls in place. Hong Kong's banks benefit, as do China's lenders. But let's get more specific. In the first week of May, China issued rules about Wealth Management Connect, with a scheme set to be rolled out in the second half of this year, in 2021. For retail investors, Wealth Connect will have a total size or quota of around 100 billion yuan, or $23 billion, in each direction, northbound and southbound. Mainland investors from China will need to prove that they have at least two years investment experience and at least 1 billion yuan in net household financial assets in order to qualify. Wealth Connect is important to Hong Kong and its banks and to global lenders who operate in and through the offshore city. Residents of Hong Kong will be able to invest in onshore financial products in the GBA with eligible mainland citizens allowed to buy low-risk wealth management products issued by Hong Kong banks, with a type of product on offer to mainland citizens so to get more sophisticated over time. But it's also vital and even more important for China, which has created huge amounts of wealth over the past 30 years, but has to get better at managing it. So how will Wealth Connect pan out? We start by asking our participants, beginning with Anthony Lin at Standard Chartered Bank. China has a huge wealth management potential there. Uh, I think there's some recent research, right? The top 10 cities that have the most number of wealthy families, four out of 10 are in, um, uh, in GBA. And, and actually, um, uh, it's a big portfolio. And this group of people, with all the research to tell us, they have a very strong need to diversify their asset allocation. They have a strong need for global asset allocation. And, and that's why, how can we serve this customer by leveraging on an international network to support them? This is, this is, we have to keep innovating. But broadly, I think wealth management is something really, really crucial. And here is Sebastian Paridis, the China and Hong Kong chief for DBS Bank. I am very excited about the Wealth Connect uh, because, as, as I said before, if you understand how China have been doing all the um, internationalization of their uh, economy and their finances, it's a very slow step-by-step with connects, with uh, limited uh, amounts, very well controlled, administratively driven. And the way I see it, the Wealth Connect is nothing different than what I've, we've seen before on the stock connects, the bond connects, and the internationalization of the RMB and so forth. Uh, initially, it's small. Initially, it has limits, like 1 million uh, RMB limits per person and so forth. But I, when DBS, and I see it in the, in the long term, this is going to open up a lot. Limits will be increased. Uh, individual limits will be increased. And the overall limit will be increased. That's creating a tremendous amount of of wealth generation for the banks in Hong Kong, as well as for the international players uh, going into mainland through Hong Kong. There's a tremendous amount of wealth trapped in the mainland without being able to move internationally. By creating these, um, these channels for mainland residents to go invest offshore in different currencies, in different international products, 
it serves both purposes. The purpose of the international banks based in Hong Kong that could capitalize from the wealth creation in mainland China going to offshore, and also an opportunity for China and the mainland residents to diversify their holdings and export their wealth into international. It is time for mainland China to allow that window of opportunity for those the huge savings inside China to move offshore at the individual level. As the region develops, it will be vital for banks to get to know customers on the other side of the border. That goes both ways. So what are Guangdong clients like? And how do they differ from their offshore peers? Here again is Anthony Lin, the GBO chief at Standard Chartered. Customer in GBA are very tech savvy. Um, they're very knowledgeable because uh, they not only uh, have good knowledge of all the things happening in China, because they are close to Hong Kong and pre-COVID, they travel to Hong Kong a lot. They also know quite a bit of Hong Kong as well. So we're combining all this together. Uh, these are the customers that that really, really sophisticated. And that's why they are actually very, very demanding. If the Greater Bay Area is increasingly a region in itself, should banks, as well as corporates, fund managers and so on, appoint a single person to oversee operations within the region? A point person, if you like, a point man or point woman to report back from there to regional and head office. Singapore's DBS Bank has decided not to go down that route, as its China and Hong Kong chief, Paredes, explains. We don't see that the appointment of a segregated GBA head will facilitate the cohesive approach of the business. In fact, I see that uh, appointment of a segregated G- regional head of GBA a much more confusing construct. Others reckon a single point of contact makes good sense. In January 2021, Bank of East Asia named Christine Lowe to head up its Greater Bay office. A month later, HSBC appointed Daniel Chan as its GBA chief, both in newly created positions. Now here's Standard Charter's Anthony Lin again, the bank's former Taiwan CEO was tasked in October 2020 with heading up the new role of Chief Executive, Greater Bay Area. I asked him why he chose to leave one big profitable market for another. Yeah, uh, actually, it's not an easy decision. Taiwan is also a very important market of the bank, and uh, actually, we are doing very well there. So uh, I think I made a decision, obviously, uh, uh, it is also the bank's decision, right? The banks want me to do it. And, And number two, obviously, I'm also very exciting about the opportunity present by GBA, but but it is not a very easy decision to make. Now, Tixis's Garcia Herrero reckons that by creating a distinct Greater Bay Area unit and tasking a well-respected individual with overseeing it, banks are doing themselves a favor. Well, I do think it's a good idea. And the reason is perhaps uh, more how hard it is for foreign banks uh, based in Hong Kong to grow in the mainland, yeah, their market shares in the mainland are stagnant, and we know that they have a, basically a much higher cost to income ratio than than average Chinese banks, and that's basically because we do they do not have the the, the first you know deposits the enough clients they can rely on to compete with the, with the Chinese banks. In the Greater Bay Area, though, they could have a comparative advantage because they have the linkage with Hong Kong, which becomes much more important. 
than it is when you sit in Beijing or Shanghai. So I, I do think it makes sense for them to specialize more in, in the Greater Bay Area because their comparative advantage becomes more valuable. Eric Kip at Bank of East Asia describes how the bank is perfecting financial products that work interchangeably and fluidly on both sides of the border. Being able to do this is one of the bank's calling cards and a big competitive and comparative advantage over its peers. A very interesting project that we launched in the midst of COVID. So imagine when the border was closed, we actually launched a product which enabled Hong Kong people to buy, mortgage their properties in China, in the Greater Bay Area. And uh, to be honest, that was a bold move because it was really a time, probably the least likely time that people would think about this is actually can create real opportunities. And to our surprise, I mean, within a very short period of time, we see huge interest in property developers to work with us. And we see actually customers coming in day in, day out to really use our service uh, to do the mortgage, to do the remittance. I think simple things like that we actually create a space. I think we, I believe we are the first foreign banks to launch this service. So looking ahead, where will the GBA be in five or 25 years time? Standard Charters Lynn paints a picture of a fast developing, increasingly wealthy and highly urbanized region whose potential is only just starting to be tapped. By 2035, this is going to be a 100 million population uh, kind of economic block with 4.5 to 5 trillion US dollar kind of GDP. And, uh, and, and this is a huge market that, um, um, that everyone is very excited about. So I think our view is we, we know the direction, we know all these believe the collaboration will get even closer and closer. Um, so in the next couple of years, you just see things evolve along that direction. For decades, experts tipped Shanghai to overtake Hong Kong, as it was assumed China had a plan to systematically remove its capital controls. But this isn't happening, and it puts Hong Kong in a strong position. With the advent of Stock and Bond Connect, and now Wealth Connect, and the rise of new stock exchanges like Shenzhen's Chinex, a Nasdaq-style higher tech market, can the Greater Bay Area become China's main financial centre? Natixis's Garcia Herrero thinks so. I think this is a very interesting angle, uh, which might even explain why uh, the Guangdong, you know, uh, province is so interested about GBA because Hong Kong is bringing that comparative advantage that they do not fully have. Of course, the Shenzhen stock market has um, literally ballooned because of its uh, kind of specialization in ICT and and high tech, and and we have had a lot of new developments there, which in itself, not yet to fully compete with Shanghai, but has have brought Shenzhen to a closer, at least to look closer into that competition. But Hong Kong would be a, a different ball game, yeah, because it would make uh, GBA more open financially to the rest of the world uh, than Shanghai is today. The Greater Bay Area is not one great cohesive entity or body. Hong Kong will remain an offshore market, at least for the time being, and Guangdong and other parts of the mainland, an onshore one. But China's plans are getting clearer. It wants to bring Hong Kong more firmly into its financial and political orbit, and Hong Kong is happy to play along. The GBA will benefit banks from Guangdong and Hong Kong, 
as well as international lenders and investors. Every year, more money will flow into the GBA through Hong Kong and out again than ever before, in Beijing hopes, a controlled way. So before we say farewell to Euro Money's first on-China podcast about the Greater Bay Area in southern China, in a place that includes Hong Kong and Macau, here are some final thoughts from Anthony Lin, the head of GBA at Standard Chartered Bank. This is the area that really worth everyone's attention, um, you know, uh, uh, to really truly understand um, what kind of potential we are talking about. Sometimes just a few high-level numbers um, uh, probably may not really give you a sense. Um, uh, I will really encourage all the listeners uh, to really spend a bit more time and on the assumption that the travel ban is lifted, uh, it is really worth to do a bit of traveling uh, among you know within the GBA cities. Um, you 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 get a sense of the momentum. You you get a very good sense of the energy that is happening in all these GBA cities. You will be amazed uh, by the momentum.